Welcome to the first episode of Illumination by Modern Campus. Through this series, we'll be speaking to college and university leaders about the trends, ideas, and opportunities that are shaping the future of higher education and picking their brains for best practices and advice that leaders can apply to their own institutions. On today's episode, the Evolutions Editor-in-Chief Amrit Alawalia speaks with Eric Bullard, who is the Dean of Continuing Education and Extension at UCLA. We'll talk to Eric about the evolving role of professional continuing education divisions as we head into this new normal. Let's get into it. Starting off at the top now, you and I collaborated on a, a chapter for a book that's coming out of the Fielding University Press. It's a handbook for online learning. We were asked to contribute to a chapter talking about, I guess, the evolving role of professional and continuing ed divisions within the context of sort of a vastly transforming higher education ecosystem. And the vignette that you you focused on really looked at the, the role that PC divisions play in this I guess, new normal within the context of delivering on the mission, especially of public institutions. So so let's start there. PC divisions have a very unique role to play in the context of, of the modern university. And historically, certainly over the past 50 or 60 years, that role has really been in, in driving innovation for their institutions. So why do PC divisions tend to fall into that category? Why are they that, that innovative driver? Um, I think, you know, I think really for PCE divisions, um, the units are typically situated to really extend the reach of institutions and engage communities. And so just by our very nature, you know, we're situated to be more engaged with populations that the main campus may not necessarily focus on serving. So that provides us an opportunity to work with our campus partners um, with our leadership at the institution to really affect change within local communities, but also global communities. And increasingly, institutional leaders are looking to PCE divisions and deans and directors to do a lot more in this space to extend the reach of their, their home institutions. So you mentioned that increasingly university leadership is starting to look to leaders in PCE to create more access points to the institution. And I guess before we get into the question around, you know, how best to work with colleagues in PCE, I guess I'm curious about whether, to a certain extent, like, why this is a good thing. You know, what, when, when the evolution launched, one of the major sort of transitions that was happening was this kind of balancing act between should continuing ed be centralized or decentralized, and all these arguments around the ideal model for a continuing ed division. And one of the, the arguments for keeping continuing ed as a peripheral division was this idea that, you know, we're supposed to be innovative drivers for the institution. On the periphery, we can innovate. You know, whereas the closer we come to the center or the core of the institution, the less capacity there'll be to be creative, to be a skunk works. I guess, to a certain extent, like what's your litmus test on that? What's your, what's your read there? Do you think that's true? I personally think that there has to be a combination of the two. I think that, and this is really what's happening at UCLA with our provost and, and executive vice chancellor. One of her you know, aims is to make sure that extension at UCLA is brought to the center in her words. And I think that's important because we really need to be tied into the mission of the institution and help them carry out the vision of the institution. And therefore, I think together we can do a lot more collectively than we can separately. 
And so I think a combination of the two work really well. I do think some level of autonomy in terms of curriculum development and ability to innovate, I think that's important for us to have some flexibility, um, especially when we're responding to new markets or responding to companies or local governments. And you know, I have examples of that from UCLA where I think recently with the pandemic and COVID-19, we worked with UC San Francisco and California Department of Public Health to launch contact tracing training for the entire state where we've served close to 20,000 people. But we really couldn't have done that through the traditional university, but through extension, we could. But that's a great example of where we had the infrastructure in place, um, the ability to deliver on that, but we needed the faculty expertise from our Fielding School of Public Health. So the partnership and the arrangement of bringing us together really impacted the state in a very tremendous and positive way. Um, and in a, in a way that I don't think we could have, you know, really done if we were separate. The perfect setup to where we're going with this discussion, because so often there tend to be such challenges when it comes to forming really tight partnerships between the more traditional faculties and, and colleagues in continuing education, whether it's, you know, a philosophical divide about what programming should look like, whether it's just in terms of actually getting in the same room and sitting down at a table. So, you know, how can universities leverage their professional and continuing ed colleagues, leverage online programming to expand access to high quality programming, to learn all demographics and audiences who are traditionally underserved. Where we can, you know, play an important role is providing that flexibility. And, and oftentimes we in PCE have the systems in place to be able to deliver on extending access. So what I mean by that is we'll have the staffing in place that can help with things like student advising, financial aid, that's really geared toward more non-traditional student populations. Um, and in many cases, underrepresented student populations. We have uh, systems like learning management systems. We have, you know, registration systems that really are set up to be much more flexible than than those at the main campus. And so I think that's one way in which we play a really, you know, important role for the institution. But then looking at, you know, markets and helping the institution, the faculty to really then come up with planning about how we might best serve local communities, because oftentimes again. PC units have fairly robust marketing teams, uh, marketing research arms, and I think that's really critically important for us to work with faculty and other academic units to ensure that what we're delivering actually will be impactful. So I think there's just a variety of staffing and sort of systems that are in place that I think really benefit the institution as a whole. Now on the topic of innovation, I mean, we've already, I guess, tackled this question to some degree when we look at, well, you know, is it better to be at the center or is it better to be at the periphery? But either way, I mean, what are some of the common roadblocks that a PC leader can expect to face when trying to innovate, when trying to come up with creative approaches to serving new, new audiences? Yeah, I think really three things, really. I think it can be institutional bureaucracy, just in how the institution is set up and arranged, and maybe it's not as flexible as we would like in PCE. I think also institutional priorities sometimes may not be in alignment with PCE units in terms of extending that reach, even though institutional leaders increasingly want to see more community engagement. Oftentimes the reality is that those priorities sometimes don't align with funding, for example. And then the third one that I think really comes in probably most commonly is curriculum and program approval processes, depending on the institution and, and working with academic senates and faculty. Sometimes that can add additional layers and, and sort of time on program approvals and processes and delaying our ability to be innovative in a timely fashion. Well, I, it's, it's interesting. I mean, again, these, there are challenges that I think are shared. 
I mean, I, I, you know, I, I don't think we'd find a single leader in the entire PC space who hasn't run into them. As you think on your own experience, I mean, what are some pieces of advice or some, you know, experiences you can share about how you've navigated those obstacles in the past? Yeah, sure. I think it's really important to make sure that, again, the PCE unit is in alignment with the larger institution and making sure that you're not sort of off in left field approaching the work from a very different perspective. So I think alignment is first and foremost very critical and crucial. I think educating faculty, educating other campus leaders and constantly being out in front of them and making sure that you're telling your story and really having conversations about what your capabilities are what capacities you have within your PCE division, because oftentimes, you know, other campus leaders, faculty, they're busy, you know, serving students at the main campus, they're busy focusing on other issues. So I think making sure that we're always at the forefront, providing information, things like I said, market research, and just finding that space to then demonstrate the value that the PCE division really can contribute to the larger institution. I think those are really critically important elements. Now, before we get into the question of sort of how to make PCE part of that strategic decision-making process. I'm just curious as to your thoughts about why. You know, why should we prioritize or, or elevate the perspectives of, C, of PCE leaders when it comes to the direction of, of post-secondary institutions? Yeah, well, clearly I'm biased in this, but I would say, you know, in terms of my perspective on this is that if you look at historically, and I can again use California as the example, but historically in California, at our public institutions like the California State University and the University of California, a lot of our growth has really been through PCE units. And so particularly in the CSU, where you look at entire campuses being developed as a result of extended education or continuing higher education leaders expanding you know, into new communities. And then eventually those you know, satellite campuses became larger institutions. And so there are several examples of that. I think you can also look at other states and, and other things like online education, things that are happening at Arizona State University and others where continuing education leaders, PCE leaders are really at the forefront of the transition that's occurring in terms of this move to enhance access and to really remove barriers for all students. And I think, you know, and I'm guilty of this myself, talking about non-traditional students, but I think one could argue at, at the moment that really almost all students are non-traditional in some way. And I think you know, over time, I think university leaders have recognized this, that there actually is really a lot of the work that's being done in PCE divisions needs to really be replicated at main campuses, because they're also serving what we would call, I think, non-traditional students. Well, it's an interesting point you raise on a couple of fronts. I mean, from a data perspective, you know, it, the last time we really studied the number of non-traditional students enrolled in specifically taking financial aid for degree-bearing programs, and wound up being 74% of students aligning with one of the six indicators of, of non-traditional student status, which, I mean, without even taking into account all the students enrolled in certificate programs, all the students enrolled in other kinds of credential offerings, that's a pretty significant indication that the market is not what we traditionally thought it was. But the other part of it is, you know, thinking about the core tenets of andragogy, where, you know, part of it, how do you make education relevant to an adult learner, right, is in clarifying the purpose of that learning and ensuring its relevance and ensuring, and I'm sitting there, anytime someone's talking to me about andragogy, it just comes across as good learning practice. So it's, it fascinates me when we talk about, you know, non-traditional education or traditional education, non-traditional students or traditional students. And, and I think increasingly it's becoming evident that it's all one and the same. It's just good practice. 
I remember sitting in a meeting with vice provost at a university that I worked with previously. And I remember this was probably 10 years ago or, or longer now. And she drew on a whiteboard, something to that effect, basically, and, and actually drew these arrows in this relationship, whereby she said, increasingly, the work that you do will move to the center and become more important to the institution than the way we're doing things now. And I remember at that moment thinking, there's no way that's going to happen. Um, but actually, she was right. I actually see this playing out all across the nation. And, and I think, to your point, I think there really is no difference, really. And it's, it's, it's best practices, right, in teaching and learning and good pedagogy. And so I think that's what we're all here to do is to serve learners, to serve students, to help people, you know, change their lives and, and really have really deep, meaningful impact in individuals' lives and, and the communities that we're serving. So increasingly, I think we're all doing the same work. And I think people are viewing us in that light more so than they ever have. I mean, let's talk about navigating that divide. You know, and, and I think it's challenging in, in your role where, where I guess you're, you're already being put in that position of being able to influence the direction of the institution just with the way UCLA is moving. But as you think about colleagues who, who might not have that kind of a pedestal, call it, that might not be the right word, but, you know, what advice would you have for those leaders who are looking to get a seat at the table, looking for the voice of PCE to be incorporated into, into strategic decision-making processes for their institution? It might sound strange, but I, I think in my experience, some of the most effective sort of encounters I've had is, are with faculty. And so finding and identifying faculty advocates that can really help advocate both within academic senates and also at institutional leadership, I think that's hugely important because faculty typically can get the ear of administrators, presidents, chancellors, provosts, um, and also academic senate leadership. So I think engaging on that front is important because it then really, as we were just discussing it, it sort of brings it all to center and focusing on the student. And I think most institutions have become student-centric. And if we just focus on serving the, the learner, the student, I think you can create those opportunities to have a seat at the table. You know, again, I think most institutions are now looking at, you know, PCE leaders. And then I understand it's not the case across the board, but I think just finding those faculty advocates is a great way to start. And then also, again, getting out in front of other leadership, as I mentioned, I think making sure that you're telling your story, that you're talking about PCE and telling the story of the students and the faculty and the impact that you're having. And I think that's important. Sometimes leaders forget to do that, to, to actually take time to reflect on all the good things that you're doing. But I think that in and of itself will help also sort of change perceptions, because if faculty and campus leadership see that you're having this tremendous impact in a particular way, they're probably going to change their perspective. Another element to that is getting your community partners, your business partners to also serve as advocates. So creating a strong advisory council or board, I think, is also important because they're often very influential within local communities, which, again, positions the PCE unit and leader as center to the campus. So I think those are just a, some simple ways, well, maybe not too simple, but it's those are a variety of things that one can do to make sure that PCE as viewed by the institution as, again, critical to the mission. Well, Eric, I mean, that pretty much does it on my end. Is there anything you'd like to add about this fundamental shift? It's, it's partially philosophical, it's partially strategic, it's partially business-informed shift of professional and continuing ed divisions from the periphery to the core of the institution. 
Yeah, I mean, I think actually what you just stated is important and I didn't touch on, and, and it can be a sensitive topic, but I think the other reality is, is that most PCE units are responsible for bringing revenues to the institution. And increasingly, and, and at public universities specifically, where there's been a decline in revenues coming from states or local governments, this is a way in which, again, a PCE division or unit can then also provide additional resources to the institution, to the faculty, to the students, and so I think that's an important conversation to also be included in, in any campus leadership discussion about the future of continuing education and how that can impact uh, larger universities and colleges. This episode is brought to you by Modern Campus in partnership with The Evolution. Modern Campus empowers higher ed institutions to thrive when radical change is required to deal with lower student enrollments and revenue, rising costs, crushing student debt, and even school closures. Powered by the industry's only student-first modern learner engagement platform, presidents and provosts can work with Modern Campus to create pathways for lifelong learners while marketing and IT can deliver Amazon-like personalization and instant fulfillment. To find out more on how you can transform your institution to meet the needs of today's modern learner, visit moderncampus.com. That's moderncampus.com.